So, welcome to the No Shame Podcast. So, we finally arrived at the week that we've all been waiting for, uh, especially if you're uh, a BJJ guy, yeah? if you've got a, a jiu-jitsu bone in your body, because on Monday, um, we're able to go back to the gyms. So, I think a lot of people have been uh, been through a war zone the last little while, especially if you own um, a barber's, a hairdresser's, a nail salon, or, or a lot of small business. But I know that them ones have... Uh, uh, especially being suffering through this and, and coming back is going to be hard. Um, the barbers are going to be printing money, that's for sure. <laughs> walking around, people have a uh, walking around with the guy of at the Adams family, the um, cousin, cousin, what's his name? Is it A? Is it? I think his name is. But um, also, we're in a week where um, the formation of government is going to happen. So, so the vote from Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, and the Green Party um, on, on the formation for a program for government. Um, I think most people agree that the program for government is not what we need. Uh, very little housing in there, very little um, prevention of homelessness. Um, I think we're heading to more of the same, zero change, no matter which way it's kind of uh, ring-fenced if you must. So um, I think if we go forward with this government, if this government is allowed to go forward, that um, it's probably going to be the worst five years for Ireland uh, ever to come. I think maybe Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael who have kind of messed this up a little and the Greens they're involved in there as well so we've got three parties that have done uh, the country a terrible disjustice and now they are heading into power together um, to keep power um, excluding one of the, the the biggest parties in the country um, and the, one of the, the most voted for party in the country um, I, I don't know how they do it anymore to be honest I look at media shows now and, and they can literally sit down and talk about the formation of this government and they don't even mention the world Sinn Féin and Mary Lou MacDonald um, I don't know about other people's kind of um, angers out there but I'm getting better at uh, understanding this game um, and hopefully through the podcast you're getting better of it too because that was one of the main reasons we set up this podcast was to be able to translate some of this stuff and, and not only educate us but to try and educate you as well so um, people have messaged me and asked me what can I do about this party what should we do we should go out marching we should go out do this and I think everyone's angry they are angry and they're, they're really so to be angry because um, it's being framed in a way that the, the majority of the country does not want it to be framed and that's 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 the basics of it You people can jump in under the comments and be like oh well this is how it works and pull it wherever which way you like this is the this was the year for change that people wanted and um, Fianna Fáil Fianna Gael and the Greens together is not change they're a party that doesn't like each other and um, to be honest we're talking about a rotation T-shock here if you are rotating the T-shock it's like it would be like me rotating the head coach of this gym here um, what can you get done in two years what can you get done in three years you have to have a plan and the leader and the plan to go forward for the five years um, they, the government have said that they they would they would they would build houses. They, the rebuilding in Ireland has failed. It's failed miserably. Look at the numbers. That's all you have to go down the road of, and you'll see that some of the numbers that are in some of the the plans that have been set out are down at three percent weekly. Um, after three years of being put forward. So, um, if you're wondering what you can do, um, go and email your local Greens councillor or, um, or your local Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael councillors and and the TDs and tell them that you're not happy. You're as an Irish citizen. Um, with, with your vote in hand that you did not vote for this you, you voted for change and and, and express your, your discomfort with it because at the moment what I'm looking at is that we have 12 people which is the 12 seats in, a, in, in the Green Party and they really need to stand up here now and, and, and choose between power or choose between democracy um, 
nobody can stand there and say that this is a the democracy served uh, the country when it comes to this government. Nobody can. And and if they stand there, they're, they're wrong because uh, true democracy would be going back to an election now. That's just in my opinion. Um, I don't even feel that Fianna Gael want to be in there. Sure, they said it themselves. We will we will play the opposition. Um, we have to rebuild this country. We have to rebuild the the, 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 the jobs that were lost in here. But uh, make no mistake that a lot of these jobs are just going to come back as well. So the number has a number now. Be careful not that this number, the number is not used for um, this this brand new recovery. There's no there's no doubt we need a recovery plan in place. But um, a lot of people are going to be employed straight away when they can lift up some of these restrictions because... I think even the other day we seen it uh, when this this announcement was being made about gov um, government. You had Simon Coveney and Leo Bradgar standing shoulder to shoulder. Um, I think people are just fed up now. People are fed up that um, uh, the the citizens of the country are being told one thing and the the leaders of the country are doing another. In any on a lighter note, I have an absolute sensational build on today. Um, a lad I was doing it all uh, in MMA, and if you're a young fighter coming up, um, I'm going to get some advice off him today, and you should listen to it because. This is a man that has 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 walked through the woods. He he's definitely um, paid his dues in the most. So today I have Brad Pick on the podcast. I'm a huge fan of Brad. Um, I'm gonna uh, annoy Brad a little bit with the story that I tell him from the start because there's a great story where I used to go on the hop from school to watch Brad uh, for young Cage Rage. Um, when he used to come through, he used to be Cage Rage. Um, if anybody remembers that, you're a legend. <laughs> so um, I remember seeing Brad and fighting that and one of his opponents came over the train in the gym that time and I remember being starstruck uh, it's amazing what um, what you remember in hindsight and what you can look back at and be um, even be shocked at then as well so I'm still kind of I still put a smile on my face when I think about them times because um, I won't say you're um, you're innocent but uh, you kind of are a little bit you know and it was it was just we just we just didn't know the techniques that these people were showing us and they were blowing us away with them. And uh, Robbie the Flame Olivier, we appreciate that, mate. Um, not a lot of people might know him, but um, back in the day, Robbie was an animal and um, Brad fought him twice. So I'm going to get on to this uh, with Brad now and uh, enjoy this because Brad is a good man. Hey! How's it going, What's the crack, lad? You all right? I'm all good. I'm all good. Oh, before we start, you have to take that top off. What? <laughs> I had the weirdest one for today. I've, I, I have them all lined out like all Liverpool supporters now, you know? Yeah. Um, Monday to Friday jerseys, you know how it goes. Right, I think even non-Liverpool fans can, can, can give a little bit of a love towards what's going on at the moment. <laughs> it even they even said the pandemic to try and take them off course. What? <laughs> oh, mate. <laughs> it's been a, a very interesting end to this sort of season. You know, I, to be honest, I still kind of don't know how how it's all gonna. I mean, it's impossible. They're like the the schedule they're trying to have it with each other. It's like basically who's got the biggest squad because they can't play that often. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, that is uh, the coaching and, and the, the the ability to be able to have more players and more coaches and uh, the the money is definitely going to even play a part even more now, isn't it? Yeah. People say yeah. money is not happiness. They've never been in a bad situation without money. Then. No, no, no. <laughs> money fixes it all. Um, 
it's an absolute pleasure to chat to you, Brad. Now, I've had a few conversations with you, but I've never had a serious conversation with you to, to, to kind of show you the, the love that I have for you, man. You know, I'm, I'm a fan and uh, I would consider myself a friend of yours now as well, you know, through the sport. But um, I told you this story before as well, the idea of, when I remember sitting up late into the night, skipping off school the next morning to watch you fighting um, on Cage Ranch. Yeah, man. I remember you telling me, I mean, that was, we made, the conversation I had with you is when our, we uh, both fought on um, the Island card, the UFC Island card. I fought uh, Ian McCall and you fought um, Smoker, was it uh, Lewis Smoker? Um, what was your man's name? Bleeding. I can't even remember his name. I can't, I'm, I, too many shots to the head. Yeah, Josh, yeah. Josh Sampo. I thought, I thought it was Lewis Lamoka you fought. So. No, Josh Sampo, we think it was at that time, wasn't it? When you were over, because you fought, um, I don't even know. I think, did you know, I can't <laughs> even remember who you fought at that time. Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember who I fought. <laughs> yeah, it must have been the after party, yeah. but, but you just saying about you sister, like watching me fight on Cage Rage makes me sound so old, you know? Because <laughs> we're both retired. But yeah. you, you, like, you're still watching me fight, you know, like... <laughs> but listen, if you had done nothing with your life that would make you old, um, when people are telling you stories like that, it makes you that you're a legend. A yeah, real legend. Cool. It's, it's nice, it's nice. Um, I saw, like, a video the other day on um, on uh, online about um, Usain Bolt. You know, before a thing where you see, and he's giving like random people fist bumps and stuff, and you're seeing their face changes. Like they're so like, oh my god, you're saying bold just before he's about to run 100 meters, just gave me a fist bump. And he's, so he's, he's always, it's nice to be able to inspire others. I'm not saying the same bold in any way whatsoever, but say it's nice that I like that. You know, that if people, if I've given anyone any inspiration to do anything good with their life, I'm so happy about that. You know, so and I think that's. One thing with the platform that we both had, financial level, you get to inspire a lot of people, and like, and it's nice to 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 give back, you know. And like, if I could put a smile on a kid's face, you know, that'd be amazing. You know, that's why I always like that. So I love that side of sport, the connection with the fans. You know? I think uh, I think you do really well, um, and I think it's natural. Uh, it comes natural for me as well. I find uh, to just be normal around people, and then for to have them to. To like you if you must, you know, where some guys are bleeding, doing backflips and chicken dances and all sorts to try and get people to like them. Where I can imagine how hard that has to be to try and keep up that behavior, you know. But uh, yeah, like, yeah you, you have that, um, they say the fan favorite thing. But I, I, my mom calls it charisma, my mother does. So she, you are born with bags of charisma, is what she would say. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, it was more like, I guess it was more my fighting style got, got me kind of fast because I was just like, just, I didn't give a shit. I just rolled the dice. And I, I, I didn't mind being in a bit of a war. I had to be honest, I preferred being in that type of fight. <laughs> so, like, yeah, uh, I guess that won me over a lot, a lot of fans, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Um, was it, I think it was, um, have you, did you fight Robbie the Flame Olivier? Twice, yeah. Twice, yeah. I remember, and I, these were the, it was the second fight that I was sitting up to watch, and um, because Robbie had came over and trained with us, uh, he had trained with John a little bit, and okay. he came over, and I remember him showing me like an outside, an inside to an outside trip on the fence, and we hadn't done that on the fence, and I was blown away because like Robbie the Flame Olivier was in the gym, and I was I was wetting myself, Brad, like, <laughs> like I was there, uh, I was. 
I was into football and stuff like that, but when I found MMA, I remember just like, this is for me. Like, I fell in love with you. I loved fighting. I was actually only playing football sometimes to get into a scrap. When a scrap. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be a little right back, a little angry redhead, you know what I mean? That, uh, I probably had more red cards than anybody else. And, and, and people would be talking about scoring goals. I'd be talking about how many red cards I got. Do you know why we have 10 red cards? <laughs> but, um, that, I think that's where I kind of got the, the, the buzz for fighting about it. Um, for you, as you said, with your style there, um, I've never heard you being asked this question uh, about your hands. How Have you been gifted with your hands with, regarding the style you have? Because even even though I have some students and uh, they're, they're, they're talking about hitting people and they're thinking about hitting people with the hardest power, you can't hit somebody with MMA gloves as hard as possible, you know what I mean? If you catch them on top of the head, you break your hand, but... You define that because you swing with everything in it. I am. Um, my, 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 I didn't really get into fighting until a later age, really. I didn't start MMA until I was 26 or one. I boxed for like a couple of years from 19 to 21 just to keep fit because my main sport as you grew up was football. Um, uh, but obviously, in fighting, I'm a massive, massive fan of Mike Tyson. Uh, and the the, the peekaboo sort of style, the hooks and the rolls, and I just love that sort of style. Really, like, obviously, people, I always have arguments with people about about Mike Tyson. I like, oh, he's not a great. I mean, for me, he's one of the best fighters ever grace this earth. And I think, okay, he doesn't have all the accolades because he got into the wrong sort of stuff. He was nineteen years of age. He was a fucking beast, right? And what I loved about him. When that belt started, he wasn't thinking about no 12th round. He was trying to get you out for the first minute to the last minute. And that's to say, in my fight style, I was trying to beat you for the first minute to the last minute. And if I didn't beat you within that time, it was a good, it would have been a good fight. It wasn't for the one of trying. I'll be trying to knock your head off from the first belt to the last belt. Um, yes, yeah, so that, that, that's my sort of, I kind of got my sort of boxing sort of style from, from Mark Tyson with, with, with the, the bob and weave and, and the overhands and hooks, you know, uh, and that sort of aggressive sort of style, you know. Uh, I've never, never hurt my hands ever. You know, I've hurt my wrist a couple of times, but I've never, never broke any hands and my bones, you know. Maybe it's just, I don't know, genetic, I don't know. Because <laughs> Also, don't get me wrong, it's a lot of technique. You've you got to have good technique to punch. And if you punch wrong, and you will roll your wrist. So it's like, um, as much as I go like, my style's a bit what I call chaotic, but it's what I call controlled sort of chaos. You know, like, I know what I'm throwing, I know my technique, so... I'm firm with all my, my might, but if I land, I land, and my hands are fine, you know? I never, never hurt my hands, you know? That's always a question I want to ask people with um, with that style, you know? So, uh, like, say someone like, like um, Lineker or something like that as well, you know what I mean? Because even when I'm watching somebody trown like that, I'm like, because you know what it's like to hit somebody wrong on the head and stuff like that. To me, it feels like the hand's just going to blow up like an apple or something sometimes, you know what I mean? I remember Artem yeah. Leboff breaking his hand, um, we he had a bad break he did on his hand, and uh, everyone just squashed it down and set a tape that up and brought him to the hospital. And he said that that was probably the best thing they could have did for him. But uh, you've got people like Floyd Mayweather and stuff like that that their style doesn't generally uh, be smashing, but their hands just do not uh, do not keep up with that. And they've got the big gloves on, big wraps as well. So uh, you must be gifted. <laughs> yeah, but look, I, like I say, a lot of it to do with technique, really. You know, like uh, uh, um, 
Like for me, Lobov, Lobov throws really hard, but his technique's not always flawless. You know, he like that he, he's a bit chaotic at times, and, and that's why you maybe catch with the wrong side of his wrist. But if you watch my sort of style, guys, and like, you know, like without giving myself props, when I break it down, if you look at the vision, my overhand right is perfect. I'm coming over with my my my, my hands. Yeah, so it's like very. Nothing wrong. It wasn't always like that. It was a lot of work, you know. With my my, my really good boxing coach in America called Paulie Gloves, it was a lot a lot of work. But uh, it's a lot of technique involved. Is and people see like see a sort of star and think it looks all chaotic, but but it's not. There's a lot of technique involved in that, you know. Well, definitely, you would have broke down a lot of your stuff and uh, and stole some of it, of course, because that's what you do, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I would have noticed that that you're, you're like. You're, you're, and you're looking, your eyes, where your hand is, you can, you can see nearly that eye connection to your uh, your hand and your wrist, which is important, because sometimes you look again at somebody, so say you see a wrestler comes into your gym, and their hands are all wrapped up, and they're like, oh, I broke my thumb, they don't even have to tell me what happened, I know what happened, you know, they, they were looking at their like, shoelaces over here while they were throwing their hand, and and it's probably one of the worst kind of injuries you can get as well because it's probably not going to heal properly if you do something like that to your thumb. You said that that back in the day that'd be chaotic. How how wild west was it back in the day, Brad? Well, it was pretty when I first started. Obviously, there wasn't really there was weight classes. Don't get me wrong, but like I used to fire sixty six kilos. Uh, and I weighed 63 kilos, and that was the smallest weight class. And, and I, when I first started, there was no real career path for me, if I mean, it was just like a bit of fun, it's pretty cool to do. Like, I wanted to be a paid fine, and, and for me, I was always an athlete in all my life. As in my main sports growing up was football and cricket, but I was very competitive, no matter what we did. Like, if I played junior high game of chess, I will try and beat you. If you beat me, <laughs> Fair play. I'm not a bad loser. I don't like losing. So I go away and I come back and I'm going to play you again. Right, okay, let's go. So you know when you're in the gym and someone goes, hey, let's throw, let's throw a, a pound. The other day, when I got my, my students came to the gym, they like, you ever the game where you throw a pound quite against the wall? And I'm like, what game is that? You throw, whoever gets the closest to the wall wins the pound. And I'm like, no, but I smash you. And that's just my mentality. I'm like, get, get, get the pounds out. And I lost five quid. <laughs> <laughs> but in my, in my head, I'm like, I'm going to beat you. This is just how I am. Kind of, just my DNA is, I'm super competitive, right? Um, so as an athlete, growing up, my main sports are football and cricket, and they're team sports. You can be the best player on the pitch, and you can come away losing. You can be the worst player at the worst game of your life, and your team could carry and you can win. Where in a one-on-one sport, there's no one else to blame by yourself. No one. So even like in tennis, I have a lot of... One-on-one sport in a game of tennis, mentally, when it's you versus a one, it's, got be, it's so tough. But then you bring the physical aspect of our sport in. For me, it's the toughest sport you can do without a shadow of a doubt. You know, the hardest sport, period. You know, So as an athlete, I was like, wow, this is challenging for me. I want to do this. And I remember going to my first MMA class ever. Uh, and I turned, I'm quite, I was, I was like, say, I boxed a little bit and I was, small and quite like a bit of not small man syndrome but yeah i'm pretty tough i'm pretty good you know like and i got absolutely manhandled manhandled by a 16 year old boy called mark smith he fought as well don't get me wrong but it was and i'm like i'm 26 years old and this 16 year old kid it's just embarrassing me so in my head i was like 
I need to learn this as a life skill, just because me as being a proud person, I can't have someone out there doing that to me, you know? So I need to learn this. And then obviously, with men, I grew with the sport. I do want to fight. Yeah, I'll have a fight. And just then, then they just kind of went hand in hand and fought in four cage ways, become the British champion. Then they wanted their champions to, to, to uh, compete on the world sort of stage. So they flew, uh, flew us out to American Top Team, like me, Paul Daly, Dan Hardy. We went out to American Top Team. I became really good friends with Mike Brown. And then I kept them going back. Knew this is, this is what I need. I, I need wrestling. Uh, and obviously, in in the UK, you never, we never had like wrestling or anything like that. But in America, it was wrestling. And, and for me, if I lived in America, a hundred hour rest, hundred percent would have wrestled. Just, yeah. just, just how I'm, I'm my DNA and how I am, I would have wrestled. But there's nothing like that here for us, you know. So uh, yeah, so that was it. I mean, I, I was a very competitive, and still am, to my own detriment sometimes, competitive. Yeah, but that's good though. It gets you because it keeps you in the uh, it keeps you in the fire when your body wants to get out there with that uh, competitiveness. Like uh, at that pitchy thing that you were talking about with the coins against it, uh, they hustled you, Brad. Then, but don't play that game with boys that ask you to play it. No, 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 no. I'll practice this till I go back and beat them. This is not. Oh, right. yeah, so, I will yeah. beat them. But they won't play you then. They won't play you then. That's how the hustle works. It's like, you ever hear this game? And you're already rigged and you go around collecting these five quids. Oh, yeah. I remember this in school. And then when you go play back, you're like, let's go. And they're like, no, you're okay. You're already hustled. We have your money. You go hustle someone else now. I remember I had a, I had a similar game. Let's see if I could do that. A similar game. Right there. Where is it? I'll do this. Like, uh, but it used to be a, a 2p and a 10p. I've got 50p, right? I used to go to go into a pub and go to someone. Hey, hold your hand out. And they hold your hand out. I say, you got a pound coin on you? I do have a pound coin. You got a pound coin on you? Yeah. Okay, right. So I say, I, I say to them, if I just swap this pound coin out of your hand before you shake your hand, can I keep it? I'm like, yeah, I got it. So what I do is this, go, boom. And look, that's 50p. All right. Boom. And so like, we put the pound down. Let's see, there's a pound there. And watch. Just this motion. And that's 50p. Right, so I could swap coins. I learned that from a uh, uh, blood sport. Blood sport. I was just about to say in the bar, yeah. Yeah, in the bar, if you go around that money, and I went, I went around the pubs and I used to do it to people, and then they got to the stage where after like fifteen quid in one night, everyone's like, "No, nah, go away, man." <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing better than something like that. There, just milk it until it's dry. Um, yeah, yeah. Say when it came up to the WC, uh, WEC times and stuff like that. Um, so obviously a pat starts to form in the future, if you must, you know. And sometimes that motivation and uh, that determination and, and uh, that drive to win, I think that you, know, you have forces the rip in the universe or something like that, you know. And mm. and it it appears where, no, if someone had told me it was going to appear like that, it never would have appeared, you know. But I believe in that. When the WEC thing happened, obviously it starts getting to, to better money and, and, and obviously they were trying to build that as a plan pot for the UFC at the time. Uh, yeah. How exciting was it to, to start getting that called where, hold on, shit, I'm going to make some money? It was, to be honest, I say this to everyone even to this day and age. If you're in this for the money, you're in it for the wrong thing. Yeah, we you say Money comes to success. You know, If yeah. you're successful in what you do, you get money. If you think about the money... You're not, you're not thinking about the right thing because you are broke most of the time. <laughs> yeah, you're broke. Um, but yeah, so for me, I, I remember because I, 
I was about WC quite a bit. I was a cage race champion and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, but the W, the, the biggest show in the world for like uh, the weight class I went to compete at was 135 was the WEC. That's where the top 10 fighters in the world would fight. Uh, but I was like, it's in America. And, and back in those days, America didn't really, WC didn't really want to pay for an English fighter because of visas. It yeah. cost them a lot of money to get a visa. So they normally get the Brazilian fighters and, and American fighters and that sort of stuff. They didn't really get European fighters back in in those days. But I remember going to, uh, Mike Brown was the WC champion and he was one of my best, well, he's, he's my best mate. And uh, I'd be at his shows, I used to call him for his fights and that. I would be chatting to Shelby, hey Shelby, come on man. And I hear me chatting to Shelby, come on, get, get him in. And like, he got to the stage where to Shelby, they gave me a call once uh, saying, hey, would you fight Demarcio Page on two weeks notice? And I was like, yeah, cool, done. Uh, and then I said yes straight away. It wasn't in great shape, but I said yes. Uh, and then they called back and a few days later. I said, look, we can't do it. Worked out. We can't get the visa sorted out in time. But, you know, thank you for saying yes. But as soon as that, I knew that was there, I'm like, that's it. Oy. I'm there. They're ready for me, you know, kind of thing. And then I waited for my call and they, I eventually got my call. And they gave me... Um, uh, uh, John Trent, I, I fought. He was like 10 and 1 or 11 and 1. Uh, and I, yeah, I fought him on my WC debut. And for me, this is like not the first time I ever traveled before. I fought on Bodog in Costa Rica, and that was really cool. I traveled to, I fought in the LA Coliseum in K1 Dynamite. So I, fought, I, I traveled to fight, but for me, when I got to that sort of level of fighting where I could travel, there was two things I wanted to tick fight in Vegas and fight in Japan. They were my two things. Obviously, going out with pride, I fucking love J Japan. <laughs> amazing. So there was two things I really wanted to do. Uh, and then um, I uh, obviously got to fulfill my dream fighting uh, in the WC, making my WC debut in Las Vegas. Went out there, uh, and I remember fighting. I think I was on like two and a half and two and a half, two and a half, two and a half thousand to show, two and a half thousand. So it wasn't crazy money, but it still... <laughs> Better than getting like yeah. a couple of three hundred quid on cage cage rage, but yeah. uh, um, and then um, but then the fight of the night bonuses and the submission, the fight of the night, submission of the night, and uh, and uh, uh, knockout of the night, and there were ten grand, you know, back then, right? Uh, and I remember my first fight, I I won by proving necktie, so it was quite a rare submission, you know. I think only one other person, CB Dollar, had finished it in the UFC, no one's done it in the WEC. So it's quite, it's quite a cool submission. So I'm like, oh my God, I could, but also I was early on, I was like on the prelims. So I'm like, oh my God, I, I could potentially win 10 grand. And I was watching all the other fights. And don't get me wrong, if there was no other submission on the card, no matter what, I'd win just by default. But I'm like, I'm in good position because it was a good submission anyway. So if there was like an arm bar or something like that, I could win it. But the later of the cards you get, you know, when you get to the main card and stuff like that, you're thinking sometimes they give them, I don't know why. You I know, see, I they, know. You see, nods, right? And I was getting nervous. Every fight, I was sitting, I remember sitting next, next, uh, next to Mike Brown, cage side, and I was getting, I was getting a bit, you know, like, really nervous. I'm like, every fight I'm watching, I'm like, Decision, brilliant. Knockout, brilliant. I'm like going through it. I'm like getting up to, and it was the main event. It was Jason Radcliffe versus Donald Cowboy Cerrone. 
And I'm like, okay, I'm nearly there. Nearly there. No other submission on the, on the whole, whole thing, right? Uh, and these two are going back and forth on the ground exchanges. And out, I mean, I can't, I mean, out of nowhere, he got him in a kind of a backwards triangle into a, like a knee bar. And I'm thinking, oh my God. And I'm literally feeling, I mean, I'm not joking. I remember feeling, I nearly threw up. Nearly threw up being sick, you know, because I'm, oh my God. And then eventually he got a submission, but it was just a really naked choke. But I'm still, but they're still from going from nothing to compete with, now I'm competing with something. I was so nervous, so nervous. I remember going backstage, I was like, literally, why is it ghost? And then Shelby goes, don't worry, you got it. And I was like, wow, yeah, <laughs> amazing. Because that, yeah, again, that 10 grand helped me invest in my training to go back up to America and all that sort of stuff. So that really catapulted me and helped me uh, with that. And then weird, weirdly, that started off the chain reaction. Every fight in the WC, I hit a bonus. First five fights in the UFC hit a bonus. You know, I just was, I was like a bonus machine. I was like, yeah. The only time I stopped hitting bonuses is when I went down to flyway and I couldn't catch anyone. And then it was like, <laughs> oh, shit. No, that's the only time I was like, but before that, I was just hitting bonus, 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 bonus. It was like, I was getting used to it. It was like, yeah, you know, so it was good. The big, big, big difference was, though, obviously, the bonuses in WC were, were 10 grand. But then when you moved over to the UFC, it went up. And at the beginning, but now they capped them at 50 grand. But back, back, back in the day, they, they said whatever. Whatever they said, went. You know? So it was like, my, my first one, my fourth, when I fought Henry Burrell, my first bonus was 70 grand. And that was just like, oh my God, my, first, my debut fight in the UFC, I just sent 70 grand bonus, just a bonus. I was like, <laughs> but I lost that fight. And I say to everyone uh, now, like, if you gave me a choice, give me the win or the bonus, fucking give me the win, take my money. I don't give a kid. I was in, I was in the sport for the money. Money helps, don't get me wrong. I was in the sport to be number one in the world, you know, and, and, and that's what I wanted to do. And it was always my focus and my drive, competition, competition, competition. So money was good, don't get me wrong, but I was never money-oriented. And still not, still not a money-oriented person. Money helps, don't get me wrong, but, I'm, you know, it's not, it doesn't make my, it makes my life easier at times, but it's not the be-door end-door, you know. Say the, um, the Demetrius Johnson for you. So obviously I have to ask you about that. So um, that has to be a little bit frustrating. <laughs> in a, like I know, um, I, I know you're not the type to kind of wish bad on anybody or, or I'd say be envious of somebody, but sometimes it has to be like, motherfucker. No, no, it, it never. Yeah, never because for me, if I find someone and I beat them and they go on and do well, it only looks good for me. I beat a good guy. You know what I mean? If you fight someone and they get smashed by everyone, then that, that you know, oh, you beat some guy who got smashed by everyone, there's nothing. But if you beat someone, everyone I, I beat in fighting, I wanted to go and do well because that makes, reflects back. Look at Demetrius Johnson. Now everyone goes on about my, me beating Demetrius Johnson and, oh, wow, you beat me. But like, when I beat him, he was like, I think it was 13 and 0 or 12 and 0 at the time. A lot of hype around him. But then, for me, I was like, I'm just fighting some kid, whoever. You know, I'm the, uh, he's the underdog in my eyes. And I went, I, 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 you know, I don't want to say it, but I batted him in the fight. I mean, I, I won every round and we were separated shoulder. I separated my shoulder in the second round and I beat him pretty comfortably. If I fought him now, 
<laughs> maybe a complete different story. But in, in my, when I think in my, I beat him, I, I fought very well. I used his speed against him, his timing. I timed him very well, and I outwrestled him. And I was, I was bigger than him back then. You know, we, we both fought at 135, and I was a good, solid 35-pounder, and he wasn't. Don't get me wrong, I went down to 125, and that, yet again, was my... And that was not easy, getting down to 125. No. It was not easy, but that's... My carrot was to be number one in the world, and when I kept on falling over at the final hurdle at 135... I was like, what am I going to do here? You know, like I kept having like these title eliminator sort of chances. And like getting beat by Henan Burrell, he gets a title shot. I'll, go, I'll, I'll get beat by um, uh, uh, Scott Jorgensen, he got a title shot. I, I got beat by uh, Eddie Wine, and he got a title shot. I got beat by Michael McDonald, he got everyone who beat me got a title shot. And if I start thinking, I get the full over the final hurdle. So, like, I'm like, well, I'm going to go down to 125. Get a win or two, and I'll be actually about to fight Demetrius Johnson. Obviously, going down to that weight class was tough, but stylistically didn't work out for me because my let's fucking go sort of style didn't play down there. They're like, nope, I can hit you on the run. And I'm like, oh my God, where are you going? Come here. So, like, in my eyes, that, that weight class for me was like, just frustrating. So, I said, I said, like, if you put me in that weight class, if you put me in a cage or anywhere in a room with any of those guys, no time limit, just whoever, <laughs> if me and, well, me and any one of those guys were fighting over the last pig on earth, I'd be eating a hand sandwich. But I just run out of time over 15 minutes, you know. It's just like, I didn't get beaten up or hurt or anything. I'm just like, they just hit and run, hit and run. I'm just, too, just a bit too quick, you know. So I'm like, oh, fuck the, the game has changed in that way, isn't it? And even in yourself, like with the uh, with the prospect and um, uh, wooding your own your own guys now as, yeah. as coming up, you can see that the the game has changed because yeah. um, I think kids are uh, I don't know if it's Call of Duty or something like that. Now I didn't call them kids, uh, men, young men. What am I saying? Young, young, younger than us, um, the next generation. Um, it's like they call the Call of Duty or something like that. They know the strategies now and they know how to. I don't know, change and stuff like that, where it was kind of like, uh, I think back in the day, you had a lot of wind-up cars in a way, and each one did a specifically thing, and if you put this wind-up car, it was going to be brilliant. But now they can they can transform. They're transformers now, you know? They yeah, can, yeah. They can, if they've got a fight on the ground, they can fight on the ground, which is brilliant, because the sport just keeps getting better, because um, I used to find, the, 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 uh, when we fought a bantamweight um, outside the UFC, I never got tired, or was never tired. But then when I cut the flyweight, I was cutting nine kilo at a time. You know, I was going from sixty six to fifty seven, and I was like, like I was just a different man down there. Like you just, you feel frail, you feel sick, you feel all of them things for so long, and I think it, it can wear you down mentally. Where um, now I think uh, the flyweight division is it's it's at the empty and now. Even though you say that it was it was it was exciting back then when it first came around, you know, there was fireworks going off. Even all the guys you just mentioned there was a, uh, um, most of them have gone down to bantamweight or flyweight and had a little try on it. What would you say to um, young fellas getting in now or youngsters or, or um, young females getting into the sport now regarding um? Money and career was. Um, my advice to them would be make sure that you have a job and have something to back her up. And um, I think something you fought yourself, uh, Neil Seary, is a, is a great example of it as well as 
full-time work or graft that loves the scrap. Um, but some of the youth, I think, today think that they're going to go in and it's going to be all, I don't know, Instagram posts. And um, and then after, when it's done, it's the big, big bag of money is going to help you. It's, you know, what, what, what advice would you give? What? In a brilliant way and a bad way, what someone like Conor McGregor has done for the sport is massive. It's brilliant what he's done, but he also gives a lot of people a false impression. Not everyone has that sort of money. It's, yeah. it's not that easy. He is a gem of millions of people. You know, like he's like not many people could could be able to do what he done, right? Uh, but it does show that with hard work and work ethics, it is achievable. Yeah, but what I say special. Any any young person getting into the sport is like I say, don't think about the fame and the riches to start off with, you know, like uh and be yourself. It's like always be yourself. It's like I, I, it's a lot of kids nowadays like try and mimic uh, and they think they need to be like a bit of a dick to people. And for me, it's like if you're not a dick, don't be a dick. You know, that's <laughs> just like it's not about that. I don't know why I think Instagram is a very uh, powerful tool to get yourself out there. But it's like, I saw like a Kobe Covington. Yeah, okay, you're famous, but you're famous for being a dick. You know, is that what you're going to be famous for? <laughs> it's like, great, you know, be, be a good guy, you know, like, you know, and yeah, it's so hard. Social media is, I grew up with social media, and it? it grew with me when the sport grew. Uh, and uh, I'm glad I, I never really got much abuse or anything like that. I kind of like, I don't think, I don't know why. I, I never got much like hate. The, I mean, the most probably abuse I ever got is when I fought Neil Siri and that was from the Irish. <laughs> they all right. They, just came, they came after me. I'm like, <laughs> the thing is me, I'm not very, um, I'm not very cocky. I'm not very arrogant. I'm just like, be nice to me. I'm going to punch you in the face. Be not be horrible to me. I'm gonna be punching. You. It doesn't matter. So you want to be a bit of a dick. That's on you. You know. So and I think everyone who fought me kind of had the natural sort of respect. Like they're in a fight. You know, they are in a fight. You don't need to track shit or whatever. When me and you fight, it's gonna be a fight. You know. So I kind of have a mutual respect. So I never talk. I respected everyone, and I do. I respect everyone who does what we do to whatever level. If it's UFC or it's local level. It's not easy to do what you you do. Put yourself in there. There's another trained athlete to put your life life on the line, but just your reputation in front of your friends and family. That is hard. You know? yeah. So I respect anyone, anyone who does it. So I think everyone deserves everyone deserves respect until otherwise. You know, uh, that's it. So I was kind of respecting most people, and I never really got that shit back. You know, man. So I was lucky, but. Nowadays, it's the brutal world that there's so much more mental. There's so much. I remember growing up, there was nothing talking about mental health and stuff like that. Men's mental health, this, this. Social media creates a lot of mental issue problems, you know, 100%. Because you're always looking at what's that person doing, what's that person saying. And it's so easy for, not like back, back in the day when I was growing up, anything about. I, I, idols, maybe some of my football players like Klinsman or, or, or David Beckham or some of that. I'm not going to be able to go on social media and go, you are a fucking arsehole. <laughs> I don't know if I know how to swear on this, by the way. I'm sorry. Yeah, you but, can do what you want. I, 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 David Beckham, you are so shit at football. I mean, like, 
see something horrible like that, he would never see it. But in this day and age, it's, it's pretty easy to get to, to someone who's pretty up there. And I'm thinking, I, oh, in my head, it's like, what goes out of, out of a person's day to go, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to give that person a bit of shit. Have some of that. I'm like, I mean, for me, I know it's a bit old fashioned, but mom used to say, if you've got nothing nice to say, don't say it. Your mom's bang on there because I think that we even over this last little while of um like I brought I brought my son's fishing yesterday out to a pier where I used to fish as a kid, right? And it's like it's cut, trapped in time. It's like I bring them back to the nineties, right? And my kid had uh, my son that's twelve turning had a DS with him. And I was asking him what world he was on in Mario. It was like we shot back to the 90s for about 10 minutes. And it was quite nice. Yeah. Doing a bit of fishing, talking about Mario. (laughs) And I I, I think maybe that we're going to suffer a little bit. Maybe the sport's going to suffer a little bit as well because the the triangle is getting built upside down now sometimes, I feel. Where where that was a great base. And say, say you had somebody like John Hathaway or something like that. And tremendous fighter. Tremendous yeah. real wrestling is it wasn't your typical fighter in a way of like where he was like I don't know staunchy or that and you know yeah in a way but was just really really interested in the sport and to me that's when the the sport started to change uh, skill wise um but somewhere along the line uh, the social media aspect of like whoever was the biggest social media star now with the, the YouTube fighters uh, fighters fighting and stuff like that now um. I don't mind watching one or two of them, but uh, it does annoy me to death to see... Well, like the, KSI and stuff like that. Ah, man, you've got eight weeks camps going in. Like, now you have, say, um, your man Thor fighting them, um, the, the biggest man, in the, the strongest man in the world. You know, the, the mountain of um, Game of Thrones. Yeah. He's doing a boxing fight with another strong man guy. Now, listen, we know fighting. You know the shape of the two of them guys. Like, when you put the gloves on them, it's like... They're going to gas. Yeah, they're going to make the same sound as... like. It'd be, it'd be more entertaining to see how much they guess. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, not one of them gets a heart attack. You know, but you how they 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 are able to get into people's head where it's like, whoa, the strongest men in the world. You can imagine what it's going to be like to hit each other. They're going to kill each other. It's like, it's going to be. This this is I'll be honest with you, honest. You get one of them and me, and you get a punch machine, and I bet you I punch harder. Absolutely, I agree. It's all to do with technique and how you do stuff. Muscle doesn't mean shit. Well, yeah, there's actually a video online and Connor actually beats that mountain guy up. Uh, I don't know if you've I seen saw that. Yeah, long time ago, yeah. yeah. And it's tactics and it's that kind of idea. It's like, um, um, was it Bruce, remember Bruce Lee, supposedly? It's like, there was a film, the fight, and it went real and there used to be rumours and all. And, uh, I don't know who he's fighting. It was a big, tall guy at the time. Tallest guy in the world or something like that. Um, I, I won't hold you much longer. When, um, say, the prospect and all start coming up, so um, to be able to make it to the UFC is one thing, Brad, but then to be able to go on and, 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 and wear something else and help build something else where they make it to the UFC too, so that has to, that has to have another special kind of ring of a court. Yeah, well, for, for me, when, when I was fighting, I was like, I'm always one of those people where I used to train in North London a lot with Mickey Pappas at Team Titan, and then I used to travel over to... Uh, American top team. I, I did that a lot. One of, one of the reasons is because at the start, I didn't have the training partners in the UK to push me. I had to go to America. And also, to be honest, I like, like to get away from my day-to-day distractions. Go to, As soon as I landed 
the plane lands in, in America, it's like switch on fight by camp, limitless and focused, right? Um, but what I used to do is learn a lot of stuff in America and then I'd come back and I'd say, hey, look at this, look at that, it's this. And, and I, I always share my techniques with people back in the UK. Uh, I think obviously I've done that for many, many years and the people within our gym started getting some really good wrestling base and what we know like, because that's, that's the main thing bringing back. And, and like, uh, it, it, there's wrestling, don't get me wrong, but there's MMA wrestling, which is completely different. There's grappling, and there's MMA grappling, completely different. There's striking, and there's striking for MMA is totally different. And then also, you have a cage. There's no other wall wrestling that doesn't exist in any other sport bar MMA. So that is very important, how to, to, how to work against a cage. So... We've already been going back and forth. I become kind of like a teacher. So I used to teach a lot of people. So I used to show you a lot of stuff and I enjoyed sharing knowledge. I enjoyed doing seminars and stuff like that and sharing my knowledge. And it just, it just felt natural for me, for me to naturally go on to be a coach. I always, as soon as I'm like, I know I will coach. So throughout my career also, I knew that I needed good, good people with me. So some people will be like, I ain't showing no one nothing. I ain't showing no nothing. But me, if I show you my good stuff, that means I've got to get better on my good stuff to catch you. Yeah. <laughs> if I show you my stuff, I need to change and adapt. So he always pushed me. So And then it made my guys better. If I got better, they get better. I get better, they get You know, It brings the whole place up rather than me just want to, you know, so yeah, I, I was always being like, well, now me as a coach, now I, I, I'm, Passed on my knowledge from fighting to these guys, not just you go on techniques. People get techniques online everywhere, it's pretty easy. But it's the mindset which is, of a fighter is very, very important. Very important. And it's and to be a good coach is not just technical, it's about having a, what I call emotional intelligence. Some fires need a slap. Some fires need a hey, come here, come here. What's going? So it's just knowing what fires need what to get the best out of them individually, you know. And uh, uh, and I like I like that sort of challenge. And also with my team now, which people don't understand that MMA is a team sport. It's a, it's not all fucking bunch of individuals. Like, people compare it to boxing because that's the closest kind of sport to it, really. But if I was a professional boxer, I'll have my coach, my pad man. I'll bring in sparring partners just to be up. I think they go. But MMA is a team sport because it's like judo, it's like wrestling, where you need team, you need bodies on the mats to train, so you need to push each other. I need to make fine holes in your game. I'm going to take you down five times with a single leg, and you're going to be, why are you taking me down a single leg? And I'll show you. And then you're going to have to get better at your defense. And then you, I take you down. You get me in a high elbow guillotine. I'm like, what's the, what, what? And then you have, you have to have these good level people to push each other on a constant basis to make you get better. So if you get better, they get better. It's that sort of thing. So um, that's what I'm doing now with my team, uh, making sure they have the te- right mentality as it's a team. We're here for the team. Uh, we're up, going wrong, we all fight individually, but we train as a team and trying to get a bit of a team emphasis there and train hard, push each other, and so on and so forth. You know? I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I think that's a that's probably one of the best ways I've heard it explained. And the idea of like, say, with my own guys, I have a young team here now, so I've got 
I've opened my own place three years now, 10,000 square feet. Now, it's massive, Brad. When you come over, you'll see it's uh, I went all in with it, you know what I mean? But this was a dream that I wanted to do for many years. Uh, when I was 19, I, I moved to Canada and finished my coaching studies. and, yeah. and all. So I did it the right way, you know what I mean, as a kid, because I wanted to be a coach. I rather uh, I wanted to be a coach before I wanted to be actually a fighter, you know. I, I loved coaching. I loved the idea of it. And then I knew that getting to the UFC would be a massive uh, feather in your hat, as you were saying about yes. the emotional side of it, because making that walk out in front of a few thousand people, no matter who's with you or who's carrying your book or, or who's to the left or right, they'll never experience walking across that threshold. Um, yeah. it's it, it, like the, the moment before the referee like is like, are you ready to go? That little thought in your head of like, we were just about to tear into each other here, you know, like, and it's, it's 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 wetting and it's exciting. It's all of them things together. It is. Um, and I'm going to be trying to tell people, um, you're preparing for that moment. It's cold water. It's like standing at the edge of a pier and you're getting ready to jump in. It has that same feeling to it. You're going to get cold when you jump in, but you'll be all right. Um, say Nathaniel, um, from the time you met Nathaniel um, to the time that he got to the UFC, what would what would have been the time period of training? Because I'm trying to figure out what they. Years ago, I knew it used to be about eight, nine years training, and then someone got there, but not even get there, but to be ready to be there. Right, so basically, he joined my team at team time, I was at team time then, uh, towards the back end of my career. So like, um, fly away, maybe a couple of years, but the, again, I, I wasn't his coach. I kind of was his coach, but I used to, he used to come to my house, I used to drive him to the gym, we're training, we're driving. He used to be covering me every day, you know. So on those drives, I educated him just with how to, how life should be and all that sort of stuff, you know. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, we, we just traveled, we chatted a lot, you know. Uh, and But then, yeah, again, because I had to do, I had to go to America and train. So I used to go away to America and come back. And then, oh, by the way, see that. So I was, wasn't around all the time, if that makes sense. So he had a few fights in Bama against like Alan Philport and stuff like that when I wasn't around. But I could, when I was in the country, I'd call him as much as I can and be there for him. And then he goes to the stage when I retired. After my, my, my retirement fight, then I'm like, right, I'm a coach now. And then that's when we signed back to Cage Wars. Then he fought um, uh, Vaughn Lee. Then he fought uh, Marco Grotovic. Then he fought uh, Joss Reed. Then he, you know, and those sort of fights. And then he fought uh, Leone. So he like, he just went on a, on a tear, you know. And I'm not saying it's because I retired, but I did give him a bit more of my focus and time. And uh, and yeah, and then that, that's what it was. So I just say since I retired fighting. So then how long has that been? Well, three years. Three three years, yeah. Three years. Yeah, but going wrong, he, he had a solid, solid base before before then, way before then. But but like when he, for me, sometimes it's a, a fighter's confidence. Sometimes it's just you, a lot of time. A lot of times, fighters have all the skills. But like I said, when I say this sport is ninety percent mental, ten yeah. percent physical, sometimes there's a little switch in your head. You go, you know what? I'm fucking. I'm good at this. Mental, mental. For him, for him is when he fought Vaughn Lee. Because for me, when I look at Vaughn Lee, Vaughn Lee's a tough fight. He's been around. He's been in the UFC as well. But when he fought on Cage Wars, I think, oh, he fought in the UFC. So, but then how well and the family did with him that fight and beat him pretty comfortably, then he's like, I just beat a guy who fought in the I could, I could maybe fight in the UFC. And he, I think that just like gave him that little bit of 
like a little skippity step, a little bit of confidence. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And I was like, Nathaniel, I told you, you've got it. You've got it. You know, now you just need to believe it yourself. A coach can tell you how much you think. I'd be like, Paddy, you are amazing at the year. But until you believe that yourself, it doesn't mean shit. So I think that was it. When the, when he beat Vaughan Lee, he was like, you know, I'm good at this. I could do this. And then then he went on from there, you know. Uh, and then he been like, honestly, complete tear. And he's been, you know, they had three fights in the UFC. The first three fights in the UFC were three finishes and stuff like that. You know, so, yeah. I agree, John. I'm a fan. I have to say, I'm Wooding as well. I love the bow of their styles. Um, I've, I've been watching them for a while now. Um, it was unfortunate, I think, in um, in Wooding's last fight. Um, I think he just got caught in one of them random shots, didn't he? Where you're like... The thing with Wooding as well, is, and I, uh, I now uh, have left Team Titan, where I, I used to train in North London, and I have my own team now, because I live in South London. So I have my own team called Great British Top Team. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you about this South London now, so, but Dominic Wooden, he, he's up north. He's still a uh, team tie So with these last fights, he, I, I wasn't, wasn't oh, there. Oh, you were the last one. We're not. Uh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. You know, it's, it's fine. But I think Wooden is a very, very skillful, talented fighter with a lot of potential. But yeah, again, potential is one thing. Fulfilling it is a different thing. You know, you, you have to have the right mindset and everything. There's a lot of, so many variables in, in, in this sport, you know. So, um, yeah, I think he's a very talented fighter, you know. Last question. What do you think is the best route to the UFC now? So some someone at home now that wants to be a UFC fighter. Because as you said there, um, having the ability to be able to be somebody, um, say, from the NFL before you get to the NFL, if it was American football, is the NFL, isn't it? Yeah, that's the big try to wait league there. Um, is is a massive confidence boost. And as you said, is there's nothing more than the thought process. Uh, that's a huge part of it. Um, where you didn't really have that at the time, you were probably finding out, could you be a UFC guy in the UFC, you know? So yeah. um, the guys having this ability, what do you think is like, because the shows are so spread out as well now, is... Um, it's not as when you train with people, it's like people like I sent a lot of guys that I look after over to like uh, all stars in Sweden or 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 go out to America and talk to them. And some of you switch share these matches with you. We like, are they good? But you know what? It's not that much of a difference, you know, you're not that far apart. And so those that's why people when they train came to me and trained me, like but in UFC, but you know, I'm holding my own a little bit here and there, you know, so it's like when you're around someone who's been there, so I guess the people who train with you, if they start doing a bit well against you, they'll be like, oh, but he was in the UFC. So it's like, sometimes it's who you train with, you know. Um, yeah, so they like, with that, I and mean, then with a career path as well, it's like, it all depends. You want to go UFC, you want to go Bellator, you want to go 1FC. There's now, there's a lot of big shows out there. ACA is in like, what, what I say, there's shows in different regions of the world. In America, the biggest show for me is the UFC. Over in Asia, the biggest show, uh, like um, um, East Asia, 1FC. Asia, Russia, ACA. And I commentate for ACA. And I'm not joking, to you, joking when I say it. I am amazed by the level of fighting on ACA. It's... I mean, the big thing is that people think it's UFC, UFC. Mate, some of these guys in ACA, I'm like, oh my God. They, they <laughs> would be a lot of people. 
Maybe people don't know about because there's obviously you don't. It's like, what do you do? You know much about the football? You know, the football is a little bit different, I guess. But you know, people just don't understand that over there. But but in that region, ACA is the UFC. In America, it is UFC. In Asia, it's one FC. So you go to one FC. You have a lot of people like Eddie Alvarez, Demetrius Johnson. When they've gone out, gone over there, they haven't been smashing people. Eddie Alvarez got beat. You know, um, uh, what's his name as well? What's his name? The blonde kid uh, got his like, all ball broke. Really nice kid, cry guy. No, Arnold, no, that guy Arnold. Why the name of black uh, middleweight or well, well, weight? I think he is more lightweight. You know, really super. Hey guys, hey, you know, like oh, uh, Sage Norcott, is it? That's it, Stage Nolka. He went over there, remember? He, he got battered straight away. So the level of there is really good. And, and you bet, who did he beat by? Well, I don't know. You know, <laughs> level five is good everywhere, really. You know, so it, uh, but if your your path to the if you want to go to the UFC and you're in the UK, there's not many paths really outside of Cage Wars. It's kind of like the moment. That's the the, the the blueprint that people like people like Nathaniel have done like okay go to go go to go to Cage Warriors win win the belt defend it a few times boom in the UFC and they've done that so many times which at the moment now I guess is a bit annoying for other other shows to compete with but that's where true fighters who want to go into the UFC kind of go that route but then also you with Bellator Bellator's coming around now as well, and that's not a bad level show, and, and, and they can pay a bit more sometimes, so it helps you. That's where the, the cross between money and where you want to go, because you can earn a bit more money, it helps you train. So you find Bellator, you may earn a bit more money early on, and then you get yourself a bit of money, then you do some full-time training, and then you get better, correct? So, but it's like, it's, it's hard, it's a hard, hard, you know, so I try and die direct people in different areas. If you not don't need the money, obviously you go to Cage Warriors and go UFC. If you need a little bit of money to help you support yourself to train, you may go Bellator route, you know, to start off because you don't have more money to start, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You think so you can bounce Bellator to UFC? What's that? Do you think the door is opening up for a bounce from Bellator to UFC or do you still think that that's a very... It's tricky. Obviously, it's tricky because I'm, I'm no lawyer, and there's a lot of contracts, you know, where from where you're tied in here. That I've seen a few people obviously have done it. A people like Eddie Alvarez, he went over there, but he was, oh, I think he was on the bench for a whole year you know, with, with legal legal things yeah. getting out of the contract. Another person was uh, uh, Will Brooks. There's another one came from uh, Bellator. So it's not easy. It's not easy because obviously they're big rivals. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm right. thinking. So, and usually the contracts are, are tied in to, 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 yeah. to make sure that it's definitely not the rivals picking up the uh, the, the superstars of each stars. But it's a, it's a mad situation. Um, we appreciate that, Brad. I really do, man. And uh, I'm oh. going to try and get this to as many people as I can that gets the that young kids that can actually see what it takes to be there and what it takes to actually get there. And um, you can be a dreamer, but it's going to be a long, hard road for this game. It's not easy. It's not about... Um, what I say is, you're young, it's about hard work and dedication. And it sounds so, like, cl- cliche to say. <laughs> the more time you put into anything you do, it, it's just... It, 
any route to success is just dedication. You have a passion for something you do. If you've got passion for it, you're going to do it no matter what. You know, like, you know, people, there's many people who have jobs and get sacked from jobs that they hate. You know, they hate. So you might as well try and fail at a job that you like and become a fighter. If you want to do that, you might as well try and do that and fail at what you want to do because yeah. people fail at what they don't want to do. So people, like, you don't want to work in McDonald's, but you still get fired. You know, you still, whatever you want to do, you know, you get fired at what you don't want to do. So you might as well try and do what you do and fail than do what you don't want to do and, and fail anyway. You, you, I think you'd be less sad if you failed doing what you wanted to do than yeah. uh, you'd, you'd be more angry failing and uh, doing what you don't want to do. At least you'll do that, you know? <laughs> so yeah. it's one of them things. Brad, if you're ever over, give me a shout. And uh, uh, I'm definitely going to be over uh, soon as well because we've got to do a trip to Horn Mothers and uh, I'll drive down and we'll do some training, man. It'd be an absolute pleasure. It was honest. I'd love to come and visit you in your gym. Absolutely. Come on over. Be... Rob Valerio keeps telling me yeah, like, I can't believe you spoke about him yet, but Rob Valerio. Oh, Rob, you're not ready for Yeah, yeah, no, like, he's, uh, yeah, like, he, he always goes on about, you know, how amazing he's there, and I, I definitely would love to come. Rob's a good lad, he is, isn't he? He's hard work, but he's a good lad. Yeah, yeah, he's a good kid. He's been doing some Zoom and all his mixing, he's, uh, he's pretty sound, he is, uh, I have to say, but... Um, He's yours. Make sure you hold on to him. <laughs> yeah, not... <laughs> yeah. I haven't spoken to him for a while. He's been busy, I think. You're responsible for him. <laughs> you no, in... I don't have responsibility. Well, you introduced... No the, the, the guarantee is going back to your house, Brad, because you introduced him to the sport, so... <laughs> You're a legend, mate. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. Thank you so much. Cheers, Cheers. buddy. All the best, man. So that was no shame with uh, the, 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 the legend that is uh, the One Punch Brad Pickett. Um, we, we talked about, we touched on uh, Father's Day there. Um, we just want to say a huge congratulations to everybody for uh, your, your Father's Day on uh, yesterday, on the weekend. Um, it's an amazing day, Father's Day. Um, it's, to me, it's, it's probably more of your um, a better day than your birthday these days. Um, all the lads out there doing whatever it takes, I just want to say respect to you because um, I think I think dads get a little bit of a hard time sometimes these days. Now, obviously there is some of them that are this down, and um, my own included. <laughs> but some lads and some dads are absolutely amazing, and they deserve everything that they, they the praise that they get for what they do. Um, I've witnessed some lads um walk their ass off. I've, I've witnessed some lads go through the courts to see their kids and and. And, and 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 never give up, never step back and are in situations now where the kids now understand the situation that they that they fall for. So if you are in that situation, um keep fighting. And to all the dads, as I said, um out there that are that are in there grinding every single day and, and, and raise good people. I salute you. That was the No Shame Podcast. Look after yourself.